Hey, Lexi, you want to continue our second deep dive into Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? Yes. And let's get the conversation started. Hello and welcome to Lexicon. My name is Maddie. Lexi. Dylan. And we're continuing where we la- last left off. <laughs> we're continuing where we laugh. Ha! Probably. Uh, looking back into Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, taking our second deep dive, the second part of our second deep dive. Yes. So yes. Uh, make sure you check that episode out first, and then we'll pick it up right here on page 225, chapter 12. Your notes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we're in chapter 12 of the book titled Professor Umbridge, and on page 225, <laughs> second paragraph begins With a whoosh and a clatter, hundreds of owls came soaring in through the upper windows. They descended all over the hall, bringing letters and packages to their owners and showering their breakfasters with droplets of water. It was clearly raining hard outside. Hedward was nowhere to be seen, but Harry was hardly surprised. His only correspondent was Sirius, and he doubted Sirius would have anything new to tell him after only 24 hours apart. But isn't Hedwig at Hogwarts with Harry? Hedwig went to Hogwarts with Harry. He hadn't sent her out or anything. I guess he sent her out behind the scenes? She, I, I, I'm saying... Hedwig's haunting. He would have to send her out to get correspondence, right? It's not like Sirius could summon her or anything. <laughs> True. I see you, Hedwig. You must send her correspondence. <laughs> Flying in the sky. This is zooming. Maybe, maybe Hedrick knows just to like fly around. Try to intercept that owl. <laughs> well, well, wait, are they getting pulled harder because of Osseo, or is it a nice gentle? I hope it's gentle <laughs> since she's a living thing. Well, I don't think he's really gonna do it, but I'm just I saying. Think it's a zoom. <laughs> Out the window. <laughs> Takes the whole cage with her. Sirius <laughs> so just gets her and is like, why does he still keep you in a cage? <laughs> now I'm going to have to ship this back, damn it. Alright, so She's... continuing on... Oh, I'm sorry, you have more to say? I was going to say, I guess she'd be with the other owls at Hogwarts, wouldn't she? Yeah, she might go yeah. out hunting or something, but... I was saying she wouldn't be in a I cage mean, at that point. I know at one point, uh, you know, I think it was Azkaban... The mm-hmm. book as Prisoner of Azkaban. Hedwig like turned up so Hermione could send Harry his birthday present by mm-hmm. Al because she was like, I didn't know how I was going to get it to you. So I mean, I guess Hedwig does have some sort of precognition yeah. that she goes out when people want to use her. But still, I don't think that's normal for she. Hedwig is psychic, <laughs> right? Sirius needs me. Flies off. Hedwig, Ser- where are you going? Sirius needs me. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continuing on the same page. Uh, this is technically their first day at Hogwarts of the year. Okay. And uh, they've just gotten their schedules. And, uh, look what we've got today, said Ron grumpily, shoving his schedule under Fred's no- nose. That's the worst Monday I've ever seen. This is, uh, 1995. Oh. Because the, f- well, the first book yeah. was 91, 92, mm-hmm. and 92, 93, 94, 95. So 95, 95, 96, 96. So this is 1995. September 1st, 1995 was a Friday. <laughs> Which should have been the day they caught the train. So if they caught the train on September the 1st, their next day at school is a Saturday. But do they do school on Saturday? Do we know this? Because uh, maybe they were just at Hogwarts for the weekend or something. That's not how the book reads. I mean, it's like they go well, yeah, to sleep I get and, it. and then they, they wake up the next day and then... But maybe that was the idea that was never written down. But, oh, the next yeah, school no, day no, would no, be Monday. I, no, it's not, because flipping back a few pages, Harry has a little tete-a-tete with Seamus in the uh, uh, the boys' dormitory, because Seamus' mom is sort of siding with, with the ministry and, and the view that Harry and Dumbledore are liars and Voldemort's yeah. not back. And so he goes to bed, and then the next chapter, Seamus dressed at top speed the next morning and left the dormitory before Harry had even put on socks, and that continues on into this scene that I was just relaying. So it's the very next morning, it's the day after they came there, the letters always say to catch the train on September the 1st. When September was this the 1st, book uh, written? I have no idea when it was written. I can check the... Uh, maybe get the publication date. Maybe the train was a little bit late. So like a couple days late. Uh, 2003 is the copyright date. So what's that got to do? So they could have easily, very easily just looked at the calendar and been like, that. that's incorrect. Yeah. It just seems like every year magically... They take the train on a Sunday and start school on a Monday, you know. <laughs> it's always on September the 1st. It's mad. <laughs> yeah, Hogwarts is just on, on a whole other schedule. See, the Wizarding World, they're, they're separate than the Muggle World. They don't keep the exact see, same schedule. You see, there's this one... The really, calendars are a little different. You see, there's this one really powerful wizard 
who really wanted the symmetry between the years. Everything to be the same every year, like every day, same every year. So I used magic. So that every uh-huh. every September first is like a, a Sunday. The September first, uh, September first is apparently always a Sunday. Yes, yeah, so he, he used his magic to make it. But September first is always a Sunday. Because I mean, he is a really I, don't, I don't want to sound stupid, but I mean, I, I assume Britain uses the same calendar that we do. Yes. There's no weird calendar issue. Correct. The only the difference is that they write the date differently. Right. Which apparently most of the world does. That's just and, d- and Gaba says makes more sense. Yeah, that's fine, but I'm just saying, as far as the text goes, it's just one of those little lazy things. It could easily be corrected, but I guess they just figured it didn't matter that much. Yeah. But it does seem like they always go to school on September the 1st and have their first day of school the very next day on a Monday, but that doesn't work out. I was, just saying, I was writing uh, a story one time that was like 3,000 something. I literally sat here trying to scroll through the calendar, like, can I get to the 3,000s? You could probably this. just Google search that. I probably could. All right, continuing on, but not very far, just going up to page 226, still in chapter 12. Now, uh, this is the year that uh, Fred and George Weasley really take their plans for Weasley's Wizard Weasley's, their joke shop, etc., onto the next level, and they're developing the uh, Skiving Snack Boxes, the range of sweets to make you ill long enough to get out of class, and then you uh, take the antidote so you can uh, feel better and, you know, spend that hour that would otherwise be spent on boring learning on the leisure activity of your choice. Yeah. Uh... But at this point, because of that horrible Monday we were just talking about, the twins offer uh, Ron some of the nosebleed nougat cheap. And uh, Ron says, why is it cheap? Because you keep bleeding till you shrivel up. We haven't got an antidote yet, said George, helping himself to a kipper. But I'm like, if they don't have an antidote and they're testing on themselves, why aren't they dead yet? Right. They must have some way to stop it. True. <laughs> These won't go on. <laughs> but I'm saying, they, they say that they're testing a lot of their stuff on themselves. I mean, they try to get testers during this year, yeah. too, and Hermione, the prefect, tries to stop them, but... You know, they've been testing on themselves, so if there's no antidote, how come they haven't bled to death yet? If they're not testing on somebody, they don't know if there's no antidote, really. Maybe, well, they're still bleeding. Maybe, they haven't bled to death yet. Say, maybe they just made they're a just bit of that bleeding, up. And They're just still bleeding, and they're just taking a blood replenishing potion constantly. <laughs> I mean, there is such a thing, so may, I suppose in theory that's possible. Okay. So maybe, maybe they just made some of that up to mess with Juan, though. Well, they did offer it to him cheap. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to move along now. Same chapter, this time page 229. Uh, Let's see. Hermione says to the boys, How would it be, she asked them coldly as they left the classroom for break, Ben's drifting away through the blackboard, if I refused to lend you my notes this year? We'd fail our all, said Ron. If you want that on your conscience, Hermione. Pretty sure, uh, and I actually, I have checked this, Ron and Harry do both fail History of Magic anyway. (laughs) Even with her lending their notes, it didn't matter. Oh, wow. Okay, so moving along, still in chapter 12, now on page 232. Uh, this is, I believe, their first potions lessons of, uh, lesson of the year. And we have, before we begin today's lesson, said Snape, sweeping over to his desk and staring around at them all, I think it's appropriate to remind you that next June you will be sitting an important examination, during which you will prove how much you have learned about the composition and use of magical potions. Moronic though some of this class undoubtedly are, I expect you to scrape an acceptable in your owl, or suffer my displeasure. His gaze lingered this time upon Neville, who gulped. After this year, of course, many of you will cease studying with me. I take only the very best into my newt potions class, which means that some of us will certainly be saying goodbye. So, he, he says right there he's only taking the best. We find out you have to get an outstanding to take Snape's newt potions class. Uh-huh. So I guess if anybody gets less than an acceptable, they're not really going to have that much of an opportunity to suffer his displeasure, as he said. <laughs> they're not going to be in class with him. I mean, as it turns out, he takes over defense against, uh, against the dark arts, so... Yeah. But I don't think that was the plan at this point. The only time they could possibly uh, deal with that is, like, during the meals. And they're all in the Great Hall together. Yeah, but he's up at the staff table. He's exactly. not going to come down and, and, and <laughs> wreak havoc on them. Dumbledore wants <laughs> the... And McGonagall, the, the, they've they've had to leave for whatever reason. He, he's just getting down, messing with the students. Then one of them starts to come back. He's like, nope, I'm at the staff table. What's up, guys? It's <laughs> going to Punches one of them in the face, sits back down. <laughs> I don't think Snape would be that hard. Goes over to punch Neville. Like he, that, he does hit someone with a book, but I don't think he'd be that hard. I was in the movie. True. It doesn't even make sense. Were they in study hall or something? True. That's what it looks like. It's not a potions class. Yeah. It looks like they're in the great hall, but I digress. 
That's fun. We, we, we just watched the Harry Potter reunion on HBO Max. We so did. That's probably why she's bringing it up, because they included that shot in it. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move along now. Uh, of course, this is the year that Professor Umbridge becomes the defense thing as the dark arts teacher. And at the beginning yeah. of the year, uh, she gives her little speech. We touched on that scene what? on the last episode. And uh, Hermione summarizes it for Harry and Ron, and she says, uh, it means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. Yeah. Uh, so at this point in the story, uh, Professor Umbridge has given Harry uh, his first set of attentions with her, and he's been sent to Professor McGonagall with a note explaining what has happened. And McGonagall eventually says to Harry, didn't you listen to Dolores Umbridge's speech at the start of term Feast Potter? Yeah, said Harry. Yeah, she said, progress would be prohibited, or, well, it meant that, that the Ministry of Magic is trying to interfere at Hogwarts. Professor McGonagall eyed him for a moment, then sniffed, walked around her desk, and held open the door for him. Well, I'm glad you listened to Hermione Granger at any rate, she said, pointing him out of her office. Now, Hermione told uh, Ron and Harry this sitting at the Gryffindor table during the opening feast. Yeah. So, how does Professor McGonagall know that Hermione Granger told him that? Mm. She has really good hand. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly. She was just saying that as a cat. I mean, I suppose she makes an assumption. No, she was up at the staff table. I was going to say she could have just assumed. <laughs> so, like, a scab with McGonagall's hat like up a on the staff table. Maybe just, like, <laughs> behind the scenes or something. There's, there's a conversation or something. And Well, sorry, buddy. We're recording a podcast. And McGonagall could have put two and two together and be like, you didn't say that part of a mighty <laughs> You're not smart enough for that, Potter. <laughs> Prowling up and down the aisles as a cat. Yep. <laughs> Wait, who's, who's this cat? <laughs> so, somebody lose a cat! <laughs> Wait, my, my cat, what does it look like? I was gonna say, shouldn't that be a good bit of cats at Hogwarts? A cat or rat. No, a cat or toad or owl you can bring. For some reason, Ron brings a rat. Yeah. So, yeah. There should be more, but we only really hear about two. Yeah. Professor McGonagall notwithstanding. Well, is there a place for cats? Wait, wait, wait. Do you reckon McGonagall ever turns into a cat and goes and plays with some of the Hogwarts cats? Just that's how she <laughs> lets off steam? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's sort of like, what, what were we watching that had that cat world in it? Was it Adventure Time? I don't uh, remember. Cat there, world. There, there were some either series that we watch... Or especially that we watched where somebody went to like a cat world in an episode. They became a cat for a little while and frolicked um, with other cats. Being puppy cat. No, I'm not saying they didn't, thing. but this is something way more recent. Okay. I, I almost want to say it was Craig, but it's not Craig at the Creek. No. They didn't do anything no, that, that, that surreal. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was one of the Adventure Time specials on HBO. It's possible. I'm trying to remember what the well, last one was. like when Finn died? No, because I really think it's more recent than that. I, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with this. But we did watch some animated but, uh, series recently where there was an episode where like they all became cats for a while. Yeah. Sounds familiar, but I can't remember it either. Well, let us know in the comments if you remember what it is. I was going to say, uh, we have the uh, owlie place for the owls. Is there something for the cats and the toads? Is there just a cat room the somewhere in Hogwarts? And if so, does McGonagall just go, like, chilling there every now and then? That sounds like the toastery. <laughs> oh, no. We're cooking toads today, boys. Oh, McGonagall's no. open the door and that's all the cats out. in the movie. Like, I know toads are Could you imagine Voldemort attacks a swarm of cats? <laughs> that's what really took him down. McGonagall leading them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, there's owls everywhere. You get two cats. There's some toads in this one movie. <laughs> well, no, Trevor's around yeah, for a while. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, Stop representing the movies. The movies are canon. I have that image of the toads in my head. But then I was like, wait a second, Neville has a toad. Because you can get two cats and a toad. Just an army of all the pets of Hogwarts no. coming out to Just an army of all the toads just jumping out. Well, that would have been dope, along with the uh, house elves busting mm-hmm. out of the kitchen to attack them all of a sudden. <laughs> the cats and toads, and, and toads were pissing on people's hands. <laughs> oh, you see a death hand just kicked off. No, I'll get warts! I'll get warts! <laughs> that was always the rumor when I was a kid. If, if a toad peed on your hand, you were going to get warts. Oh, God. <laughs> the I know you are, shouldn't touch frogs. The owls are dark. <laughs> Blake's poison toad jumped down with a death in his throat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the owls just swarm down, kick a death eater off a bridge. <laughs> kick Lucius down some stairs. <laughs> uh, there might have... I know the hippogriff. I know a bug beak, of course, was... And the Thestrals were part of the fight. I guess there weren't really any owls. 
that were Damn. mentioned. I don't even know how many owls were there by that year, under the year under True. Voldemort. I mean, they probably still had owls there, don't get me wrong. But. Well, yeah. All right, so uh, moving along from that jocularity, page 274 in chapter 13, Detention with Dolores. And yes, we are in Harry's Detention with Dolores. This particular one is the day of the uh, Quidditch tryouts when Ron is uh, trying out for Keeper for the first time. And Harry's hoping that from uh, Umbridge's office he might have a view of the Quidditch pitch, and he has a bit of one. Um, we read, Harry picked up the quill and glanced through the window. If he just shifted his chair an inch or so to the right, on the pretext of shifting his, himself closer to the table, he managed it. He now had a distant view of the Gryffindor Quidditch team soaring up and down the pitch, while half a dozen black figures stood at the foot of the three high goal posts, apparently awaiting their turn to keep. It was impossible to tell which one was Ron at this distance. Fair enough. But if we move down a little further on the page... He looked up whenever he thought he could risk it, when he could hear the scratching of Umbridge's quill or the opening of a desk drawer. The third person to try it was pretty good. The fourth was terrible. The fifth dodged a bludger exceptionally... What, buddy? Oh, okay. But anyway, the fifth dodged a bludger exceptionally well, but then fumbled an easy save. The sky was darkening so that Harry doubted he would be able to watch the sixth and seventh people at all. So, Harry's too far away to tell who's Ron, but he's close enough to tell that someone dodged a bludger and fumbled the save? Yes. I don't buy that He's one. really good at Maybe saying Maybe he's bludgers. just taking a guess. I mean, to be fair. He's really good at saying bludgers. Well, then he should be able to see Ron's red hair or something from that distance, you would no. think. Mm-hmm. I call naughty you. Juan's wearing a hat. <laughs> if you hear comments in the background, the littlest video, Johnny's in here. He's got his headphones on watching videos, but... Yes. He yes. may be commenting on them or us or something else that Juan understood his mind. It's all good, though. I don't think Potter Playtime's part of Harry Potter. Potter Playtime. Voldemort attacks all of us. Huggy Wuggy starts stomping towards him. <laughs> Alright, anyway, moving on from that chilling image. We are now on page 280 and in chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot. Uh, now, this is a letter that Harry wrote to Sirius. And, of course, remember... Uh, the kids have been warned to be careful what they put in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice may be intercepted, and they don't want people to get too much information. Not after you are them. <laughs> yeah, I can't intercept that. You'll <laughs> get dragged with it. Try to intercept an owl. Someone tries to grab the owl. And just gets now the owl and that person is human. So, at Sirius's door, Hedwig ends with someone holding on. Hi. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, the uh, letter that Harry writes to Sirius using Sirius's code name of Snuffles. He writes, Dissnuffles. Excuse me, Dissnuffles. Hope you're okay. The first week back here has been terrible. I'm really glad it's the weekend. We've got a new defense against the Dark Arts teacher, Professor Umbridge. She's nearly as nice as your mom. I'm writing because that thing I wrote to you about last summer happened again last night when I was doing a detention with Umbridge. We're all missing our biggest friend. We hope he'll be back soon. Please write back quickly. Best, Harry. Now the line, we're all missing our biggest friend. Is, <coughs> it's fine, Johnny. He, he, they, they found him. He came back. It's about Hagrid. Of course, he's still off on his mission to the uh, to liaise with the giants. But Harry's trying to write in code so that yeah. nobody can pick up on it. Uh, and in just a few paragraphs, he's going to go to the Owlery and he's going to attach this letter to Hedwig. And Hedwig's, Hedwig is going to carry it off to Sirius. So I'm thinking, uh, Harry Potter's Owl with a letter signed Harry. I'm sure many of the people from whom they want to keep this information would realize what biggest friend he's missing. Yeah, probably. I feel as though that's a code that would be easy to figure out. His yeah. biggest friend. Even though later Tom. on, either even though later on when he talks to Sirius and Fire, it's like nobody would have got anything about letter, right? No, no, it was very good. I think Sirius was no, no, it was nice. very good. Except for you talking about Had- Hagrid. Hadrig. You're having trouble saying Hagrid. Like I was having trouble saying Hedwig. Hadrig. Hadrig. Hadwig. Hagrid. Hagrid. Hagrid's long lost brother. This bizarre amalgamation of Hagrid and Hedwig. Oh no! Hagrid's face! Hedwig the giant owl. Hedwig with the bed. Giant owl. Do what? We watched something with a giant owl. The Ocarina of Time? (laughs) I don't think I watched Ocarina of Time. The owl isn't that big. Unlike as big as a 13 year old. True. Hootie though. He is pretty big. Exactly. <laughs> Mainly long. Mainly long. Kind of the house. Long is still big. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. 
Page 281, the very next page, still in chapter 14, uh, Harry's aforementioned trek to the Owlery. He runs into Nearly Headless Nick, who says, I would not go that way if I were you, said Nearly Headless Nick, drifting disconcertingly through a wall just ahead of him as he walked down the passage. Peeves is planning an amusing joke on the next person to pass the bust of Parasilus halfway down the corridor. Does it involve Parasilus falling on top of the person's head? asked Harry. Funnily enough, it does, said Nearly Headless Nick in a bored voice. Subtlety has never been Peeves' strong point. I'm off to try and find the Bloody Baron. He might be able to put a stop to it. See you, Harry. So, Peeves is basically planning to commit murder, I guess. Yeah. Dropping a heavy bust on somebody's head. I mean, to be fair, who's gonna put you in jail when you go? Just a... Well, he's a poltergeist. Can you put a poltergeist? Same difference. He's not, he's not a ghost. Same difference. Oh, no. But still, yeah. He's, What's the difference? He just planned to kill students. What's the What's difference? Now? Well, I, I mean, he's, he's not the imprint of a dead body left upon the earth. He's solid. He's not... He's uh, oh, he's solid. Then they can't. He, he's not. Down. He's not ethereal. He's corporeal. Even though he might be able. To, I don't know if he can change his form at all or not. So yeah, he's definitely not a ghost. Then they can definitely pull him in jail. Azkaban. <laughs> the only jail they have. The only jail they the ever other, had. Other visiting jails, though. Probably right? for other countries, not necessarily. I was gonna for, say for there's Britain. like a lot of different places. I I wouldn't assume that the entire Are world like is minimum security the magic to. jails. Because that's man, it's like max. Because you know, it's not it's not right? uncommon for there to be like a, a jail at like the police office, like where the police headquarters. Yeah. They'll have like the the jail there, and they'll have like the big prison somewhere else. So I wonder if like the Ministry of Magic has like some holding cells or something. Yeah. We never heard anything about that, though. But anyway, uh, let's move along. Still in chapter 14, Percy and Pat, but this time on page 200 in, uh, 295. And we, uh, yeah, said Ron, rubbing slightly bloodshot eyes and throwing his fifth spoiled bit of parchment into the fire beside them. Listen, should we just ask Hermione if we can have a look at she's, uh, what she's done? He's working on some homework and having an issue with it, so he's messing up and throwing his parchment away, because I guess with quills you don't really have erasers. Fact. But uh, magic is only outlawed in the corridors, not in the common room, so why waste the parchment? Couldn't you just use a spell to wipe it blank and start over? Is there a spell for this? I don't doubt it. There, there, uh, in in uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Ron spills ink, Hermione siphons it up with her wand, Ron's using one of the twins' spell check wands on which the charm is wearing off, so he's writing words that he's not meaning to, uh-huh. so like typos, and, and Hermione taps them with her wand to change them, so I'm pretty sure... Look, he isn't thinking about... It. Yeah, he's frustrated. I mean, to be fair, it is Ron, but still. And he's frustrated. You're like, Ugh. It seems like a waste of paper. Fact. That was a recreation of Ron's frustration at the time. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> All right, so we will move along now to page 310. We are now in chapter 15. The poltergeist is considered a non-being. You're a non-being? Nice. That's that's part of the answer to the uh, riddle on the Ravenclaw door knocker in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows when uh, Harry and Luna are inside and uh, Electo Caro, the sister Caro, was inside and the brother Amicus was trying to get in and the door... You have to answer a riddle to get in. To Ravenclaw's common room. Yeah. And uh, it's... I don't remember if it asked everybody... This, I, yeah, well, it doesn't ask everybody the same question, because Harry and Luna had to answer a different one, but it asked Amicus, uh, where do vanished objects go, and he wouldn't answer. And then McGonagall comes up, like, what's the hubbub? And he's like, I'm trying to get in there, and hey, your sister's already in there. Well, I need to get in there, and I can't. This thing's being obstinate. And it, it asked her the question, and uh, she said, uh, I believe her answer was something like, into non-being, which is to say everything. Nice. Okay, regardless. Apparently that's how the Ministry of Magic classifies poltergeists. Okay, so when you're vanished, you become a poltergeist. <laughs> that, that answers so many questions I've had lately. It's going to change some notes on the next book, I'm telling you. No. <laughs> All right, seriously, though, moving along to page uh, 310, chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Uh, pretty far down the page. Let's see. Oh, yeah, okay, so this is when uh, they start talking about... Owl grades because they've gotten a piece of homework back that was graded to uh, owl standard. So we see the uh, O for outstanding, P for poor, D for dreadful, A for acceptable, and E for exceeds expectations, and, and T for troll, which is the worst of the, of the grades. But this, this is the first time we as the readers really get to see what the grades are, but it's, uh, it's, it's couched in a conversation uh, where Hermione is uh, talking with Fred and George. And so she's going on. So top grades O for outstanding, she was saying. And then this A. No, E, George corrected. E for exceeds expectations. Uh, 
not only do I not believe that Hermione would be confused about something as easily verifiable as the owl grading scale, especially on the verge of them taking their owls, uh, but it's interesting that this is apparently the first time they've had anything graded on owl scale. Interesting. So they get this piece of homework back and it's graded to owl scale, but they never use that. They only use that grading system for owls and maybe in the lead up to owls. Seems it. I also have a note to look at page 663. I'm not entirely sure. Which doesn't sound too crazy to me. So I'm going to jump ahead in the book. I, I mean, I suppose not, but it seems like I mean, there'd I, be I, some... Con- oh, wait, wait, not the Hermione being confused, right? The fact they're using the grades. Yeah. Hermione would have totally known what Yeah, the grading scale situation. I, I don't know what grades are like in the UK and whatnot, but that kind of sounds like something we would have done in school because our, our end of year tests, I think, the results were a bit different than what we would normally use in school. Or like we'd have quota tests or something like that. That would be a little bit different. And so we'd kind of go over like, when you get the results for your test, this is what it's going to be like. Like, this is how you read it. So we'd use it for a minute. Yeah, I understand. It's not completely out of, out of the realm of possibility. So the note I had on page 663 is just when McGonagall is giving Harry his uh, career consultation during chapter 29, career advice. And she's talking about the uh, grades he's been doing in Transfiguration at the time. Uh, she does say, I'd say you're averaging acceptable at the moment. So you'll need to put in some good hard work before the exams to stand a chance of continuing. So... I guess they're not really grading at that level, but she's just saying what you, this is how your grades tran, uh, translate. So yeah. I guess it's clear they're not really using that grading scaling, except for the owls, but some teachers are maybe introducing them now just so they have Probably. an idea. Alrighty then, uh, let's move a few pages ahead. Eight to be precise. Actually, back from what I just read, but ahead from where we were. Still in Chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. And uh, we're talking about Harry's scar on his hand where Umbridge has been making him write his lines into the back of his hand, essentially using the quill where he writes with his own blood on the paper. Yes. Yeah, you're looking at my hand because I have I Must Not Tell Lies tattooed on <laughs> Yes. Me, my little Harry Potter tribute tattoo. I thought One that should them. be illegal. My tattoo? No. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, that. something it's, uh, it's about that reads ch- potential child abuse. I feel, I feel like Hedge is like wild out to the ministry. Hey, uh... The Wizarding World also. She's freaking... The Wizarding World is cutthroat and cut hand. Oh, God. <laughs> what about cut foot? Uh, I haven't heard anything about him cutting off foots, but, you know. Foots? <laughs> I'm sorry, feet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. All right, anyway, on page 318, the very first sentence. The cut on the back of Harry's hand had barely healed by the following morning. No, I'm sorry. The cut on the back of Harry's hand had barely healed, and by the following morning it was bleeding again. Oh, wow. So it was bleeding again by the following morning? Wow. I mean, shouldn't it have healed up in that time? Apparently not. That That's a magically I, deep cut. Yeah, I mean, I get it's a bad cut, but he, he does the detention, stops that's around deep. midnight or so, goes to sleep, and the magically next morning he wakes up. Magically deep means it's deep enough to not have properly healed, and like it, it'll bleed no, and stuff, but it's not like I, so I deep that it that's won't. Deep. That's deep. That's magic. Oh, wait, deep. I was going to go with... That's not doing too much wrong. Wizarding punishment cuts that are magically deep. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Our table. What? It's broken. It's broken. Oh no! Our hand. It's cut. Cut. <laughs> All right. Let's move along. The very end of chapter fifteen, pages three hundred twenty-eight and three hundred and twenty-nine. So uh, this is another night after Harry's had detention, and Hermione's given some of. Uh, oh, what is it? Some some uh, uh, Mertlap essence in a bowl, yes. so he can soak his hand in it to help heal the cut. And uh, this is when Hermione and Ryan introduced the idea of him doing Defense Against the Dark Arts with them, for them, as their teacher. And yeah. He eventually gets frustrated with them and stands up and the bowl falls and smashes. And uh, so then after they're done, uh, Ron and Hermione head off to bed. And Yeah, said Harry. In, in a minute, I'll, I'll just clear this up. He indicated the smash bowl on the floor. Ron nodded and left. Reparo, Harry muttered, pointing his wand at the broken pieces of china. They flew back together, good as new, but there was no returning the Mertlap essence to the bowl. So why can't the Mertlap be returned to the bowl? Uh... If you recall in the beginning of uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, when Slughorn set up the little fake crime scene, he's got his dragon's blood on the walls, and then he and Dumbledore clean up. The dragon's blood can be siphoned off the walls and put back in the bowl and reuse. So why can't the Mertlap essence? Does Harry know how to do that yet? Possibly not, but it doesn't say But it doesn't say he has no idea how to return to the bowl. It just says there was no returning it to the bowl. But at least we do see somebody who's fucking repair. Yeah, repair. Repair, pog. That just took a minute. 
What did? Sing somebody. Oh. Use well, I mean, we've seen them use it. We just it seems like a lot of times they could be using it and they're not. Exactly. Can you use a pal on a human? I don't think so. Oh no, no, my arm fell off, pal. Thank you. If they could, why didn't they do that to Hay and you too? His arm didn't fall off. No, but it wasn't exactly right. Could have repaired the bones. Well, then again, it was Silly Lockhart doing this stuff too. Who knows? I don't know what Madame Lockhart would have done for a broken bone. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Let's see. My next note is page three hundred and thirty. Apparently, three hundred and thirty marks the end of September in this year of. Our Lord and Savior, Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, so we've just made it to the end of September. This may be a record for the first six books. Mm-hmm. How long it takes? To get to the end of September, I assume, yeah. Nice. You figure that's the first month of the school year. The books usually start in July around or, or right after Harry's birthday, and then we get August in the lead-up into September. But, I mean, 330 pages in. Hell, the first two books were barely that long, if that long. Oh, God. <laughs> by book five those take the entirety of book one to get through one month well I already pointed out too this is the book uh, Deathly Hallows notwithstanding it takes the longest to actually get to Hogwarts yeah. and it is despite what uh, who was it uh, his name Mike Newell the director of the fourth movie mm-hmm. despite what he I says in the, so. despite what he says in the Harry Potter reunion book five is the longest book in the series and it's a little over 800 pages nice but uh, he claims that Goblet of Fire is the longest and it's 900 and some pages. It's not longer than it. No, nothing is longer than it. But re- it's a, it's, it is 800 pieces to say. I, I mean, think it's the, the Bible. Longest. What's I, longer than the Bible? It, I'm sorry, it's 700 and some. I'm not 100% sure if Deathly Hallows or Goblet of Fire is the second longest, <laughs> but they're both over 700. I thought you were going to answer his question. I I was still answering your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Because I, I had misspoke when I said it was 800. Dude, I'm looking it up. Guys, I apologize. that TikTok open. Other things. I opened my phone last time. Other people. The Bible has 1,200 according to this. Like the very first thing that shows up. Yeah, it's like 1,100, I think. No. All right, that was the first page of chapter 16 in the Hogshead. Now let's move up to the penultimate page of chapter 16, uh, page 348. So let's see. We're having a discussion about uh, relationships as it were. Hermione looked at him rather pityingly and shook her head. Ginny used to fancy Harry, but she gave up on him months ago. Not that she doesn't like you, of course, she added kindly to Harry while she examined a long black and gold quill. Harry, whose head was still full of Cho's parting waves, did not find the subject quite as interesting as Ron, who was positively quivering with indignation, but it did bring something home to him that until now he had not really registered. So that's why she talks to me now, he asked Hermione. She never used to talk in front of me. Exactly, said Hermione. Yes, I think I'll have this one, referring to the quill. Not <laughs> anything else. Uh, but I'm thinking that Ginny uh, did talk to Harry at the end of the second year when they were in the Chamber of Secrets together. Yeah. And uh, leading up to the Yule Ball in year four, I know they talked. So it's a bit of an exaggeration to say she never talked around here. Yeah. But sometimes you do that. And, of course, that was all because, um, of course, Jenny's now, at this point, dating Michael Corner, and Ron's like, I, I thought she fancied Harry, and uh, Hermione back says, to Hay eventually. Jenny used to fancy Harry, but she gave up on him months ago. I read that part, of course. Okay, anyway, moving along now, uh, we're going to skip up to page 365. This is now chapter 17, titled, Educational Decree Number 24. Tufa. So, um, this is the day that uh, Hedwig turned up with her her, her wing injured during uh, Harry's History of Magic class. (laughs) And uh, Harry ends up leaving History of Magic to go get her cared for. Yeah. And uh, then Harry's considering skipping divination. Uh, But Hermione says, But Harry's already missed History of Magic, and I don't think he ought to miss anything else today. There was too much truth in this to ignore, so half an hour later, Harry took his seat in the hot, overperfumed atmosphere of the divination classroom, feeling angry at everybody. But I'm saying, technically, he left during History of Magic. He didn't miss the whole thing. And would it really be that big of a deal if Harry missed one and a half classes on a random October day? This I do not know. Just that that, that, that know line right there. There was classes like at Hogwarts. That whole there was well, I mean the twins are making a whole cottage industry out of it. True. 
But I'm just thinking the line there was too much truth in this to ignore. Always felt a little maybe he's missed more days than we know about. No, but she specifically says he ought to not miss anything else today. True. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not advocating him missing classes, but at the same time, I. How many I can't classes did you skip? It would be that big of a deal. I never skipped an individual class. Nice. An did you ever skip a whole, a whole, mm. whole thing? How, how, whole many, day? how many days of school did you skip? As many as I could get away with. <laughs> but I wouldn't just like. I wouldn't like just disappear or anything. I would just say I was sick and didn't feel like going. Nice. Or call home and say I'm I'm sick. Can I come home? He just leaves the building. <laughs> just <laughs> just walks, walks out. Like, ah, I don't feel like being here today. Where are you going? I'm leaving. Bye. You were in the middle of nowhere. You had nowhere to go. (laughs) The walk's home. Probably could have. I wasn't much of a walker back then. (laughs) Well, it depends, too. One of my schools was like a good hour away from my house. What? Actually, two of my schools were pretty far away from my house. It wasn't until high school that I was pretty close to my house. I assume you mean our car? Yeah, yeah. Not our walk? Yeah. 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 But that's worse. Yeah. And I would walk wouldn't be that far in a car. That'd be like a, that'd be like a freaking be a good walk. Like yeah. a ten hour walk. Maybe not a ten hour walk. Also assuming thirty miles per hour. Why would you assume thirty miles per hour? It seems like it's kinda slowish, not too fast, not too slow. Yeah, yeah, we don't drive that slow if we can avoid it. Mm-mm. Well if it's an hour and it's uh, more than thirty miles per hour. Assuming average walking speed of three miles per hour. Okay, can we just move on? This is getting... I'm just saying... Yeah, I'm not even sure what you're getting at. Average walking speed, three miles per hour. Going at least three miles per hour. It begins in... That's ten times. If you're not counting Cursed Child or the epilogue 19 years later, it begins in 1991, and then it ends in 1998. Seven years. Well, I mean, technically it begins earlier than that because it begins on the day that Voldemort fell. Yeah. But other than that, that the, the proper beginning is... You know, the year that the Harry Potter story. went to Hogwarts in 1991. Yeah, so seven years. Sure. So, based on this, Hedwig got a decent life. Because, according to this, in the wild, the old snowy owls only lived nine years on average. About eight years, almost. Because, I mean, you figure the first book probably started in, like, June or July. And yeah. The, and the, the seventh book would have ended in June. But that, that means Hedwig oh, got most of, died, yeah. most of her life. Sure. If, if not the full thing, because how old is she when, when Harry gets her? It does not say in the exactly. books. Exactly. So. so she she could have been Seven. close to dead. All right, moving on now to Chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army. Page 379, the Gryffindor Quidditch team is practicing, and they're practicing in some uh, horrendous conditions, very rainy, windy, etc., etc. Um, and Angelina, who's now the Quidditch captain after taking over for Wood, who of course left at the end of Year 3, and then the Quidditch season was canceled due to the Triwizard Tournament taking place in Year 4. Uh, she says, All right, everyone, listen up, said Angelina loudly, emerging from the captain's office. I know it's not ideal weather, but there's a good chance we'll be playing Slytherin conditions like this, so it's a good idea to work out how we're going to cope with them. Harry, didn't you do something to your glasses to stop the rain fogging them up when we played Hufflepuff in that storm? Hermione did it, said Harry. He pulled out his wand, tapped his glass, and said, Impervious. I think we all ought to try that, said Angelina. If we could just keep the rain off our faces, it would really help visibility. All together, come on, impervious. Okay, let's go. So, you see the issue here, right? Are they all wearing goggles, or are they just making their so. eyes impervious? Cause I assume they're wearing the, They probably wear goggles in this sort of weather normally. <clears throat> I've never heard of uh, goggles being essential Quidditch gear. Maybe when the weather's bad enough, they have them? Bad weather. Bad, bad weather. Well. But I just wondered, maybe they just made a spell where you have like a little windscreen over your eyes, and it keeps I mean, that's stuff possible. <laughs> I hate that image of just like a windshield wiper. I didn't say a windshield wiper. I said a windscreen. I know, but I just thought the image of a windshield wiper. I had glasses like that. They didn't really work. It didn't really touch the glasses. It was just like a a joke thing. Damn. Yeah, I know. It's disappointing. Sounds cool. Yeah. Why not make them work? I don't know. I didn't make them. I bought them. And it's disappointing when they didn't really work. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. you didn't make them, but... Wow. <laughs> All right, so... It sounded like you're like, of course you didn't make them. Gosh, you couldn't make them. <laughs> anyway, continuing on on page 379. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, literally what I just... Mm, okay, never mind. 
Page 379, the very next paragraph. Uh, they all stowed their wands back in the inside pockets of their robes. So their Quidditch robes have pockets inside for their wands? Yes. Sure. So why did Harry have to tuck his up under his t-shirt in uh, year three when he was worried about the mentors coming to the Because he didn't know about it. It's a secret pocket. Maybe, maybe the... the Harry uniforms. Potter in the secret pocket. <laughs> That's the alternative title for book two. Um, Chambers was not secret pocket. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say maybe the uniforms got a redesign during the Triwizard Tournament thing. You know, Tom Mills oh, oh, secret didn't, pocket. Oh, he just didn't think about it in year three and just like tucked it into his shirt. Maybe it was easier, easier access. I don't know. All right, moving on to page three hundred eighty-six, in chapter eighteen, Dumbledore's army. Uh. Harry and Dobby are having a little moment. I guess Dobby asks how Harry's doing, and Harry says, Not bad, really, said Harry, yawning and rubbing his eyes. I've had worse. The elf surveyed Harry out of his vast orb-like eyes. Then he said very seriously, his ears drooping, Dobby wishes he could help Harry Potter. Harry Potter said Dobby free, and Dobby is much, much happier now. Harry smiled. You can't help me, Dobby, but thanks for the offer. He bent and picked up his potions book. He'd have to try and finish the essay tomorrow. He closed the book, and as he did so, the firelight illuminated the thin white scars on the back of his hand, the result of his detention with Umbridge. Wait a moment. There is something you can do for me, Dobby, said Harry slowly. The elf turned around, beaming. Name it, Harry Potter, sir. I need a place where 28 people can practice defense against the dark arts without being discovered by any of the teachers. Especially, Harry clenched his hand on the book so that the scars shone pearly white. Professor Umbridge. He expected the elf's smile to vanish, his ears to droop. He expected him to say that this was impossible, or else that he would try, but his hopes were not high. What he had not expected was for Dobby to give a little skip, his ears waggling happily, and clap his hands together. Dobby knows the perfect place, sir! But anyway, my point is, uh, why did he even bother asking if he really didn't think Dobby could help? He's like, wait a minute, right? It was just like one of those last... He's like, wait a minute, there is something you can do for me, Dobby, even though I don't think you can do this thing for me, Dobby, so I don't know why I'm bothering to ask. It's one of those last things. Just to be, like, nice to Dobby, like, to make Dobby feel included or, you know, part of the team. Wait, there is something you can do for me, Dobby. Hey, Potter, hands Dobby a knife. (laughs) What? Where is that going? Go kill Umbridge. Yeah, I'm probably probably would have done it. Let's <laughs> well, be honest. Wait. And with that elf magic, he probably could have covered it up. Also, probably. That probably would have solved a lot of problems a lot quicker. <laughs> <Fact>. <laughs> Harry Potter and the murderous elf. <laughs> Harry Potter and how to get away with murder. Dobby. Dobby likes the thrill of the kill, Harry. <laughs> All right, let's move along now. Please. After that, let's go to chapter 19, The Lion and the Serpent. Serpent? <laughs> serpent. The Lion and the Serpent. Uh, we are on page 400. So, uh, let's see. All right, let's see. Uh, mm. Oh, okay. Professor McGonagall is a... Uh, talking to somebody. Somebody. Uh, the somebody. somebody. Another cat. Yeah. <laughs> meow, meow. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, meow. We're still, we're still in the lead-up to the first Quidditch match of the season, which, of course, we mentioned was Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. And uh, I, I went back one page to, to fill this paragraph in. Harry realized how much Professor McGonagall cared about beating Slytherin when she abstained from giving them homework in the week leading up to the match. I think you've got enough to be getting on with at the moment, she said loftily. Nobody could quite believe their ears until she looked directly at Harry and Ron and said grimly, I've become accustomed to seeing the Quidditch Cup in my study, boys, and I really don't want to have to hand it over to Professor Snape. So use the extra time to practice, won't you? I bold of her to assume that Slytherin would win it all if Gryffindor didn't. Yeah. Unless for some reason the cup passes back and forth after every loss. Maybe. Maybe you're the Quidditch champion the year before. As soon as you lose the Quidditch cup. But then I don't think they'd make as big a ceremony of handing over the cup to the winners at the end of the season. Yeah. So it's just, uh, like I say, for her to say, I don't want to hand it over. I don't want it to not be in my study. But I don't want to hand it over to Professor Snape specifically. Yeah. Maybe, maybe something. And again, first match, first first match of the season, so it's not like everything's riding on this game for sure. True. It's so, not like they right, know they no Slytherin so far ahead, and they there's need... a whole season ahead of them. Even though it's only a handful of games, it's still yet to be determined yeah. who's going to win it all. It's like she's just basically saying it's Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff both suck. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, to be fair, I've been doing my re-deep dive on Half-Blood Prince and my annual reread of the book, and I think Ravenclaw is in the position to win it at the end of that before Gryffindor pulls up the upset win. Well. Because they, they end up losing. Good job, Ravenclaw. They lose the second match when Ron's out and Cormac McLagan has to play keeper, and he and ends up small ones. knocking a bludger into Harry and knocking him out halfway through the match. Yep. Yeah. They're all small ones. <laughs> How much does Harry actually play Quidditch a lot? I know, right? He, he misses the finale in his first year. Man, you're the best Quidditch player that never played. He passes out during the first you're game good of the third year. Yeah, the season is canceled in his fourth year. What about the second year? He misses the fifth. You know, he misses the. He gets he gets banned after the first game, so he misses two more games in his fifth year. In his sixth year, he. He gets injured in the middle of the second game, and he has attention for the third game, so he doesn't get to play. And of course, he doesn't go back for his seventh year. Yeah. So he does miss a lot of games. He does. He just good luck, okay? And this is, this is part of why he doesn't go off to be, try to be a Quidditch player or something. He's like, yeah, I missed too much of that in school. I'm not that good at Quidditch. It's like, I could have been good. Other things I was happen. decent when I was like 11. All right, uh, moving on to the very next page, 401. Uh, since we marked the passing of September, I just wanted to make a note that October just ended on this page, meaning it was 71 pages Oops. long, and also meaning that roughly half of the book, 401 pages out of 870, uh, were devoted to only three months. So I guess this book technically starts in August. Oh. So August, September, and October are literally half of the book. And then they just like cram the rest they, into the book? the other half of the book covers the, the last eight months of this period. I have some questions. Well, I, the, again, they don't get to Hogwarts until 200 plus pages in, so there's a lot going on in August. I have so many questions. There, there's a lot to set up before the school year begins in this particular book. So this book could have probably been made longer if they wanted it to. Well, I'm sure any of them could have been longer. Oh, yeah. Especially some of the early ones. This mm-hmm. not being one of the early ones. They could have really made it longer by answering all of these questions we've asked. Yeah. On Stephen King style. It's like, you have no questions. I've explained everything. Alright, so let's move along now. Uh, Jump in a couple chapters to chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake. We're on page 442. Um, uh, this is Hermione has gone down to Hagrid's in the snow. To He's, he's just recently come back from his mission to the Giants, and he's uh, met Professor Umbridge, who is at this point the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, where she's... Uh, uh, not examine, inspecting the other teachers, mm-hmm. and she can put them on probation and whatnot. And um, they're worried about what she's going to do with Hagrid. So Hermione's gone down to try to convince him to keep his lessons fairly basic and, and follow a ministry-approved course, so he doesn't get in any trouble with Umbridge. Uh, Harry and Ron couldn't go because they were too piled up with homework. Yeah, the weekend, and Hermione comes back to the common room. And, well, I tried," she said, dully, sinking into a chair beside Harry. She pulled out her wand and gave it a complicated little wave so that hot air steamed out of the tip. Then she pointed this at her robes, which began to steam as they dried out. He wasn't even there when I arrived. I was knocking for at least half an hour, and then he came stumping out of the forest. Uh, but I'm just wondering, has Hermione already progressed to nonverbal spells at this point? Because they didn't say she said any charms or incantations. Probably. I mean, they're not really introduced until they're six years old. Exactly. <clears throat> she probably learned it at some point. Yeah. All right. So anyway, mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, move along the same page, just a couple paragraphs down. Uh, Hagrid's reappearance at this. Uh, hold on. Let me back that up just a minute. So I get the full context here. Okay, well, I don't, I don't need to go back to that. I, I can explain it. My, my whole point is, uh, Hagrid, of course, has just come back. I guess he hasn't even met Umbridge yet because he hasn't even had his first lesson yet. I think he came back over the weekend because uh, Hagrid's reappearance at the staff table at breakfast the next day was not greeted by enthusiasm from all students. Some, like Fred, George, and Lee, roared with delight and sprinted up the aisle between the Gryffindor and Hufflepuff tables to wring Hagrid's enormous hand. But according to my notes, apparently Fred and George were out on the grounds the day before when Hagrid returned, so they didn't notice Hagrid going back to his cabin or the lights on and smoke coming out of his chimney in his cabin? Nope. Uh. They were basically scheming the next uh, business move. Also, I guess that means that Hagrid uh, wasn't at breakfast, lunch, or dinner on Sunday, which is apparently the day he came back. This is Monday morning. Yeah, he just he enjoyed really food in his cabin. So he, uh, I guess he came, I think he came back Saturday night. And then Sunday was the day Hermione went down to try to chat with him. Uh-huh. So apparently he didn't go to breakfast, lunch, or dinner at all that day. 
No, just just chilled in the forest in his cabin. Since nobody else really noticed him. And again, nobody bothered to notice he was at his cabin except Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yep. All right. Now, as nobody said anything if they didn't notice. Well, I'm saying if they're running up to, to shake his hands, I guess it could it could just be the first chance they've had. Yeah. You know, even if they saw this, they were busy, they didn't have a chance to run down to his cabin, like, oh, we're going to shake his hands when we see him at breakfast or whatever. But it still means he apparently wasn't at any of the meals the, the first full day he was back. Yeah. All right, uh, still in Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, this time on page 451. This marks the end of November, which since I was noting some of the other months, I just want to point out November itself was 50 pages long, which is uh, 21 pages less than October. <laughs> so I've, uh, from this point on, I've started making notes when all the months end, since they're usually noted in the books. Interesting. Just to see what months take up the most amount of time. So we got 50 pages of November. Uh, speaking of pages, if we turn this one to the next one, we get to page 452, still in Chapter 21. And my notes say, why did the Weasleys stay at Grimmauld? Okay. So this is, uh, we're talking about Christmas time. Uh, Ron, meanwhile, was going home to the borough. Harry endured several days of jealousy before Ron said in response to Harry asking how Ron was going to get home for Christmas. Well, you're coming too, didn't I say? Mom wrote and told me to invite you weeks ago. By the way, Hermione rolled her eyes at that. Mm. But I'm just curious, uh, why the Weasleys stayed at Grimmauld Place, the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix, during the summer, but then return to the borough sometime before Christmas. Now, we know they're going to end up back at number 12 Grimmauld Place after Mr. Weasley gets attacked by uh, Nagini. Mm-hmm. Because it's just much more convenient to St. Mungo's, uh, where he is kind of lusty. Yeah. But uh, I'm just curious. I mean, I, so why did they stay there basically the whole summer and then go back to the borough before Christmas? I why didn't they just, know. if they were there to begin with, why not stay there? There would have been less of them to take up space, so it seemed like it would have been easier for them to stay there. It would have been more convenient to work for Mr. Weasley since they're in London already. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe they stayed there long enough to get the house in order and then they maybe. went back, but they're still. Just wanted to eat They're still home part for of the, the order of the Phoenix. Yeah, it, true. It, it could be just for Christmas that they were going home. It doesn't specify, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. All right, now this next one is going to take a little bit. I have to read a few different pages to get the full picture here. Uh, we're going to begin on page 481, but then I'm going to backtrack. So at first we're going to jump up to page 481, uh-huh. which is in chapter 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. Getting up to my favorite chapter, but I digress. Um, let's see. This is uh, after the uh, Harry and the Weasleys have already gone to uh, Grimmauld Place from Hogwarts after Mr. Weasley's injury, which Harry had seen in his vision slash dream when he was yeah. in, in Nagini's head because that's where Voldemort was. Uh, and they'd spent the night there and they're getting up the next day. When Ron woke up, Harry pretended to have enjoyed a refreshing nap too. Their trunks arrived from Hogwarts while they were eating lunch so that they could dress as muggles for the trip to St. Mungo's. Everybody except Harry was riotously happy and talkative as they changed out of their robes into jeans and sweatshirts. Now my question is though, Weren't they in their pajamas? Because they all got woken up out of bed, and they didn't take the time to change before they went to uh, Dumbledore's office and then to Grimmauld Place. And as evidence of that, I do have some notes. So now we'll go back to page 461. I told you we'd have to backtrack here for a minute. Back to chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake. Uh, let's see. In the eye of the snake. Yeah, this is before Harry goes. This is before Harry goes to Snape. Goes to Snape. <laughs> goes to Snake. This is before Harry goes to Snake and bites Mister Weasley. <laughs> they pulled off their robes and put on pajamas in silence. So Harry and Ron have definitely put on their pajamas. Then, if we move up to page four hundred and sixty-six. Still in, uh, no, actually the very first page of chapter 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. Uh, Harry was so relieved that she was taking him seriously that he did not hesitate, but jumped out of bed at once, pulled on his dressing gown, and pushed his glasses back onto his nose. Now, I believe a dressing gown is a robe. Uh, yeah. A British term for like a bathrobe. Pretty much. But, but when we talk about robes, I still think of the wizarding robes. Yeah. And underneath that, they're going to have just whatever they wear for pajamas. Which, so a, which I don't necessarily think are uh, any kind of robes. Yeah. But possibly. And then page 473, we have... I believe we are in... Yeah, we are uh, in Dumbledore's office now. And uh, 
he sloped away, one of the people in the portrait sloped away, I believe it's Phineas Nigelis, Dumbledore sending him back to Grimwall Place to let Sirius know he's going to have guests. So uh, Phineas Nigelis sloped away into the frame of the portrait and disappeared from view at that very moment that the study door opened again. Fred, George, and Ginny were ushered inside by Professor McGonagall, all three of them looking disheveled and shocked, still in their night things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, everybody's in their pajamas. Yeah. They don't have time to change. They take the porky straight to Grimwall Place. They take, you know, they go to bed, take a nap, etc. They their trunks arrive. Then they can change, according to the text, out of their robes into muggle dress. But yeah. they're not in their robes unless you count the dressing gowns as robes. But why would you call? Why right. would you switch what you're calling it? Exactly. So I'm pretty sure they're just. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's just a mistake. Yes. It's just yeah. to point out they're going from their wizard wear to their muggle wear for the trip through downtown London to get to, and I don't know if St. Martin's is downtown, but wherever it is in London. Yes. Alright, uh, speaking of St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, not only the chapter, but also the location, uh, when we get there we see a portrait of Dillister Wendt, who is also headmistress of Hogwarts for a time, so she has a portrait at St. Mungo's and at Hogwarts, and that's Dumbledore's able to send her from Hogwarts to St. Mungo's. It's one of those weird situations where you're only in one portion at a time. Mm-hmm. But she would think she was painted in both. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, uh, we had the portion of Dillister Wentz. She was St. Mungo's healer from 1722 to 1741, and then had mistress of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry from 1741 to 1768. And I just thought it interesting that she jumped straight from healer to headmistress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how those things work, and it's the 1700s, yeah. and it's the wizarding world, and what have you. But it seemed like there would have been a time where she would have been like the, the matron there or a professor of healing or something. Same. Which is weird. There's not a healing course at Hogwarts. Nope. Got fin face off. So, I mean, I, they, they do mention in, in, in career advice section in, in, in this book the different owls they want for healers. But there's no actual healing course. They, they need to learn defense against the dark arts and charms and herbology and potions etc I guess cetera, healing is a sort of a, a bit of all of, all of that them. yeah I still think there was maybe a uh, you would a combo course there somebody <laughs> just studies under Madame Pomfrey for extra credit yeah let's see who is it that becomes the matron after Madame Pomfrey is it is it Susan Bones or is it um I do not remember no it's one of the Hufflepuff girls it's either uh, of course it's a Hufflepuff because it's Neville's wife Oh, who does he marry? It's either Susan Bones or, um, I'm trying to think of who the other Hufflepuff girl was. It's in the, the same years know. as Harry and Ernie and Justin uh, Finch Fletchley. Hannah Abbott. I think yeah. it's Hannah. Let me, yeah, it is. Yeah, she, she ends up as Neville's wife because he becomes professor of herbology. And I assume he ends up as uh, head of Gryffindor, but that's just an assumption on my part. Since McGonagall becomes headmistress, she wouldn't still be... Head of Gryffindor. Yeah. So I like to think that Neville ended up head of Gryffindor. After pulling that sword out, he deserved it. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, let's jump really quickly now to pages 516 and 517. This will be, I do believe... Actually, we're going to skip my favorite chapter, which is Christmas on the Closed Ward, and go straight to chapter 24, Occlumency. Uh, as I said, pages 516 and 517, apparently the... Uh, Switch between these pages marks the end of December. Actually, I just have an approximate note, but December was approximately 65 or 66 pages, depending on exactly where in this text it ends. So, a little longer than November, not as long as October. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's going to be a good place to call this episode here. I think we've gone on for a bit. I think we'll make All this right. a three-part if you're all right. I think we definitely get some more in, but then we'd leave a few notes for the end, and we might as well make it three good episodes rather than two good episodes and just... Five notes on the last one. Uh, yeah. Real quick, like, stretch, stretch, stretch. Real quick, I want to say I looked it up. It is known that Neville went on to be the head of uh, Gryffindor at some point by two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily think it was, but then again, the nineteen years later chapter, which is where we learned yeah. that Neville's there. He, that's past two thousand eight. Well, yeah. Two thousand seventeen. So yeah, by then he is. Yeah, that's what I meant. So. Just eventually, I like to yeah. think that on down the road, by the time Hermione's minister of magic and Harry's yeah. head of the. Couldn't that he he is by two thousand eight? Law enforcement so. department. And Ron's working at Weasley's Wizard Weasley's. It's only, what, ten-ish years later? And Jenny's the reporter. It's only about ten years later, right? Yeah. Damn. Well, I wonder I wonder who it was in the intervening time, because McGonagall would have gone straight to being headmistress, I assume. Yeah. After the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, so I guess somebody would have, I guess whoever took over as Transfiguration teacher, maybe. Maybe. But we're missing defense. Well, let's see, who are we missing now? Snape's gone. 
I don't know if Slughorn stayed to do potions or not. I don't know either. Um, of course, Snape was headmaster, and they already had somebody take over defense against the Dark Guards. And, and they had some material. So we, need, we have a new model studies professor and a new defense against the Dark Arts professor and probably a new transfiguration professor as well. Can they keep a defense against the Dark Arts professor? That, well, maybe now that Voldemort's dead. The That's what I was saying. I'm going to assume so. And then, uh, so one of those new teachers and potentially a new potions master too if Slughorn didn't want to stay around. And then again, if Slughorn left, they need a new head of Slytherin house too. Yeah. So now I'm curious who took over all those posts. All right. We can maybe find out. Yeah, let's leave that as a cliffhanger. Fine. If you really want to, but I think we're going to have dead air here while you're sitting there looking it up. Yeah. That's uh, well, I mean, I still had the list. So I was just seeing. Okay, yeah, nobody's known after Slughorn for Slytherin, Flitwick for Ravenclaw, and Sprout for Hufflepuff. Yeah, I wasn't questioning them, but like I said, we've got at least three new teachers, maybe four of Slughorn. And I'm sure he left at some point because he was already yeah. old. And originally wasn't intending to necessarily stay around that long. All right, then. Well, thank you for checking out part two of our second deep dive into Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Come back next time when the conversation uh, continues and we'll wrap up on this particular subject. And until that time, I am will continue to be Maddie. Lexi. Dylan. And this is Lexi Concluded. Bye. Bye.